Well, as you've uh, started recording and I, I wanted to make it uh, official on behalf of Scouser's House, I wanted to wish uh, Katie and uh, Evan congratulations on the uh, announcement of, uh, you know, young Andy that's going to be running around, you know, he's going to be playing for Liverpool, you know, uh, Andy Robinson, you know, run, running down the, the left wing right there. What do you think? Well, I, I trust that Andy's kid, Leo, will be doing that. Uh, I, I promise you that Evan and Katie's son or daughter will be playing for either the men's or women's teams here in Louisville, or they'll be playing for Arsenal or their disowned. Oh, Arsenal. So, oh, come on now. Yeah, they, hey, especially if it ends up being a girl, they can't do better than racing Louisville. But if they could, it would be no, the no, Arsenal yeah. women's team. So. Well, congratulations anyway, and uh, made up for the pair of you. Uh, and we're we're thrilled. I appreciate that. Uh, everything's healthy so far. We're very proud. We're very pleased, and uh, can't wait to to start a new adventure. And it will be one. So, uh, especially at my age. So we'll find out. <laughs> Young whippersnapper like you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to be 73 when they start high school. So we'll see. <laughs> so not not much uh, younger than me then. <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh this evening um we are um on our what fourth episode of in the house 2.0 and um we thought it would be a good idea this evening um the fact that we have evan on and we have kevin on that we're going to talk a little bit about the season that just gone by and pick apart some of our favorite uh things about the season our favorite players and what your thoughts are and uh, looking forward towards uh, next season and what we can expect um from louisville city uh, moving forward so um one of the things i wanted to do is review the team from um all the way at the back with um with ben lunt and i thought uh, ben um throughout the season's done a stupendous job um, in our uh, goal and unfortunately our uh, Diesel, he didn't get much of a look in this season because uh, Ben was doing such a good job and um, how many uh, clean sheets did he have, Evan? Eight? Nine? I think uh, when you count the playoffs, I think he ended up with nine. I think he ended up with nine when you count the playoffs. Uh, it's hard to do better. It's hard to unseat the USL goalkeeper of the year, which was announced today. Congratulations to, Congratulations I don't to care him. if you call him the BFG, if you call him uh, the Berlin Wall, I don't care what you call him, just call him really good at keeping <laughs> goals out of our net. And so uh, I thought he was amazing this season. Uh, obviously, you wish you could have seen Hubbard play a little bit more. Probably would have in a normal year when you've got a full slate of games. Uh, probably also would have seen him more if you're playing in the U.S. Open Cup. There would have been more chances for Diesel to shine. But as it is, uh, if Ben Lunt was healthy, it was hard to keep him out of the net. He played great and kept us in a lot of games. Yeah, and, you know, from our point of view back in the house, you know, he's pulled off some uh, pretty outstanding saves. And um, it's hard to argue with that. And, um, you know, as much as I'd like to see Diesel get a chance, you know, it's, it's hard to unseat uh, Mr. Lunt. What are your, th your thoughts there, uh, Kevin? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you talk about wanting to see uh, Chris Hubbard, and I think next year, I think we probably will. It's hard to see, you know, as long as he gets resigned, obviously, it's hard to see um, Lund coming back for a third year, you know, from FC Cincinnati, I knew. Um, after last year, you know, maybe, you know, he'd come back on, on a second um, loan year. He, he did end up coming back. Uh, but, you know, obviously, you know, you're the best keeper in the league. 
Um, that's pretty plain to see, and he got the, uh, the accolade to go along with it. Um, you know, if he doesn't get a look in at FC Cincinnati, I think he's definitely MLS material. Uh, so yeah, he, he didn't get tested, you know, in a lot of games this year, you know, you had, he had a lot of like, you know, two, three, four, save, um, uh, you know, sort of games. Uh, then, you know, he had that, that I think it was a, a record setting appearance of that 10 saves on uh, there in the playoffs. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, he's obviously quality, um, and, you know, your team starts at the very back, and I think Ben's the kind of uh, player that you can still build a team around. So my question to all three of you is, um, on our back line, who was the one player in our back line that you guys thought that um, stood out the most to you going through the entire season? Well, I think you obviously have to start with, you know, Tosh. You know, he, he's earned his due respect here. He's, you know, there was a great podcast by Three Honest Lads about – a month ago and talking about one of the most successful USL players ever, probably um, in, in his career. And, you know, Tosh came in with a lot of pedigree coming, you know, from another club, but to really see what's happened since Paco has been gone, I think that we didn't realize how much Sean could do, but he didn't have to do with Paco there. So I go back to the, the game that always stands out to me is the indie game in, in the, you know, the Eastern conference finals last year, it, it basically became Paco at the back and nobody, everybody was pushed up, and he could track that back. At the beginning of this year, when the pitch was, it's a big pitch, I'll say that. I think we were stretched a little bit, and he's making out his way with Alexi. And once that happens, that allows Sean to have a little bit of way to move away from Alexi and really shine a little bit. So that's where it's that's where it is for me on the back line. Yeah, I, I agree too. Um, sorry, I think yeah, yeah, Tosh. Um, in, in the past, you know, sometimes he's had he's stepped up and you know done that that holding defender, that defensive midfielder role. Um, and you know, sometimes his passing kind of let him down. I think he it came along um, quite a bit this year because uh, I mean your, your defenders are you know some of the most important passers on the team. They get they have more touches than anybody. Uh, so I think you've got to have really competent passers back there. In the past, I think Toch has mainly just kind of been that stopper, and you know you kind of you know give it to someone else to move the ball. But I think Tosh. He, he stepped up in that regard while still, you know, remaining and just not right, very strong defender. Um, and yeah, I think, yeah, Tosh and Alexi was, was a really good looking combination. Back there. First league, uh, first team, all league on the defensive line for Sean Tosh. It's hard to argue with our Hulk. He had a pretty great season, easily right. his best year in the league, I thought. Uh, improved across the board, like Kevin says, in his passing, in his uh, man marking. I thought that he was just phenomenal. So I'm going to go a different direction. I'm not going to lay plaudits on uh, on Oscar, who's gotten a lot of them over the years. I'm going to say that uh, the man who all he does is win, Pat McMahon. When Pat McMahon plays, Lou City's record is, I believe I did the math on this, that his record is better than any player that's ever played for Lou City who's played more than 10 games. So if you are, if you've wow. played more than 10 games for this team – the best winning percentage of those players is Pat McMahon. When he's out there, he helps the team win, and he did that again this year. Obviously, we wanted to see a lot of Jogo. We wanted to see a lot of Akil Watts and develop these young guys, but Pat McMahon just basically said, you're going to have to take this job from me. I'm not going to give it to you just because you're young stars. And uh, Pat McMahon held on to that spot for another season, uh, played just – he's so metronomically consistent back there. Uh, that you know where he's going to be on the field. You know he's going to. Did we just lose Evan? I don't know. He's on a pretty yeah, good he run. Yeah, he dropped out for me. 
yeah. maybe overload the system with all that knowledge. But, uh, <laughs> something gets uh, back on. You know, um, when um, the season started... Club coach having an incredible year, I'm going to say, man. <laughs> he hasn't stopped. <laughs> well, yeah, we lost you. We lost, lost for a second, but it was a great... You stuck the dismount. We'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope that my best points... I made, I think, 15 of them. I hope that my two best ones were uh, in the audible part and not uh, that it wasn't just ridiculous stuff. But yeah, Pat McMahon, incredibly consistent, great player, exactly what Hackworth's team needs. That's, that's a great and, analysis of his position yeah. as well. Yeah, and, and I've got to agree with that. Yeah, I've got to agree with that because uh, every time you know you saw Pat McMahon on the um, the the starting sheet, you, you knew that we had um, the beginnings of a, a rock solid defense. But um, when this season first started and you realized that um, Paco wasn't coming back, there was kind of a um, air of, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And I was so glad that um, we had somebody like the Hulk that could just step up to the plate and just step in there. And um, he he owned the position. And um, I think uh, Mr. Swahi um, also stepped up to the plate. Um, and and I, I think that throughout the, the season that uh, the whole back line have done an outstanding job, um, as well as, you know, you've got Oscar and with Gomez back there. You know, I know he's a, just a young kid and um, he did uh, a stellar job when he came on. I think it was fun to watch Alexi kind of take on a lot of the potential that we all knew that he had and everybody knew this. So it wasn't like, you know, the elephant in the room that nobody was talking about. Everybody saw it. I mean, his physical ability, his pedigree. And that was really fun to see that partnership come around because especially with the back line, you know, there's so much that goes to that. A midfield, you know, they can gel and you can kind of move pieces in and out. But when you get a really solid back two and you've got flanks that are moving forward, that's a really important piece. And you saw that after about probably game seven, game eight, that really start to come together. And that was that's a fun thing to look forward to in the future as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um, are we anticipating on losing any of our back? Line over the close season. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to do my disclaimer now and say that I work for the club and that uh, my opinions are my own. Uh, but uh, I'll say that I've, I've gotten some of the news on that. Uh, I think that uh, it'll be trickling out uh, uh, slowly. Uh, none of it's official. And so I'll just say that I think we'll be all very pleased with some of the names that are returning to this team and that uh, the defense at the very minimum should still be solid next year. Uh, regardless of uh, who else we might pick up or might not pick up. That's good news in itself. Um, so let's uh, move on to our midfield, okay? Um, and we had a pretty large pack midfield of uh, players that we they could pick from, from th this season. So who was uh, your guys' outstanding players throughout the midfield? Uh, I don't know. I was really surprised. I, it feels like the same story has happened two years in a row now. Napo has kind of come. He you know, left his mark, and then he kind of um, you know had an injury or some kind of setback, and then Brian Ombi is uh, you know took over the spot. But Napo Metzoso, I think, is a player that if he gets you know full seasons, you know from spring to fall of you know consistent games and consistent minutes, I think he's a kind of guy that. You know, in a year or two, we could be talking about him, you know, potentially being, uh, you know, the assist leader on the team, you know, first team all selection. Um, so Napa is a guy who I think I've everybody, I think, can not help but be really impressed by, um, you know, his skills, his speed, his um, awareness, his intelligence. 
Um, and, and, uh, and yeah, and I think Corbin is another guy, you know, it took a little coming along, I think for Corbin bone replacing um, Magnus. Um, I think that was a spot that we missed early on, maybe part of the reason that we kind of stumbled out of the starting gates on the restart. Um, but as the season came along, Corbin, um, he, he had, you know, kind of the, those hockey assists, you know, those three or four passes before the assist, before the goal. Um, that that really kind of uh, made things work behind the scenes. Those two guys kind of stood out to me, apart from obviously the guys that you know we know from being around for a couple of years. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and steal one of the guys that we know from being around for a couple of years. I was going to say Corbin Bone if you hadn't, but uh, instead <laughs> I'll, I'll say uh, you know it's incredible that I get to do this at every level. We had a uh, all league goalkeeper, we have an all league defender. And so now I'm going to go with a first-team all-league midfielder and say Speedy Williams is just he, – he is whatever this team needs him to be. He's been a double pivot. He's played at the 10. He's played – and then this year and a lot of last year almost exclusively at the 6, which is probably not his natural position. But he is unbelievably good at being able to transition from offense to defense about being able to stiffen our back line and still be able to provide service and transition to the uh, to the attackers. Speedy Williams, I think, I, and this is not hyperbole because I'm with the team, uh, I'm telling you, I think Speedy Williams is the best player in the USL. I think that he is the most valuable player in the USL. What he does can't be replicated by any two players. Uh, he is, he makes a difference for this team in ways I can't express. And this year added on a couple of goals too. Cause he was like, Oh, we need those. I can put some of those in for you. Uh, I think that he would be the best six, the best eight or the best 10 in this league. If you put him at any of those positions. And so to me, Speedy Williams is, uh, uh, I, I think he'll go down as one of the great USL players of all time. If he sticks around in USL for another five, seven years. Yeah, so taking the view from Scouse's house, uh, I think it was a consensus among there because I think it's important that we also just kind of put in just like the 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 fandoms, right? The the just what the fans are talking about in the stadium and not what we're talking about in the press box on the podcast. And Corbin Bone was one that for the first ten games, many of us were just like, I don't get this. We're not really seeing much out of it. And he really grew into it, and you saw the class that he had. I mean, he's what thirty two years old, so it's not like he doesn't know how to play. It doesn't have a reputation around the game. He was impressive to see come along. And it may have been just our own uh, stupidity that we had, ignorance, uh, because you know he's a new signing and all that. Um, I'll go back to I'll, I'll echo. You know, the, the easy thing to say is Devin, and um, Speedy did things to me that I like watching a midfielder. I like watching the guys that like when you know Evans talking about the double pivot. I like seeing guys that can sit there and they can drop back in that six and just turn the play over from side to side. And I go back to, of course, being a Liverpool supporter, Javi Alonso. He didn't have the passing range of it, but he would just tick it, right? Tick, tick, tick. It was one touch, two touch. It wasn't like, hold it, move, move, move. And then everything slows down and the defense has a chance to press on you. That was impressive. He got four goals out of the season. Like you said, he, he wasn't afraid to get up in the box. A few times he was in the box. I'm like, what are you doing up there? You're supposed to be about 40 yards back. Where are we, where are we going with this? So. And yet his interception rate was always great. You very rarely looked at a break and thought, this is on Speedy Williams. Speedy Williams was always either there or on the hip of the guy who was there. And so, uh, I mean, to me, you can't, you can't over-exaggerate how good and important he was to this team. Mm-hmm. And he also had that role where, you know, I talked about earlier with the defenders that 
you know, you know, neither of our center backs, I think, are, are going to light the world, uh, set the world alight with their passing. So to, you know, kind of take it off of them and kind of move the play forward on the field, I think is another, uh, just another reason that, you know, to tack on to Evan that, you know, he is one of, uh, he's a straw that serves the drink, I think, kind of in the engine room, any uh, platitude you want to use. Yeah, when you would see him drop back in, the center backs would split. I would always get excited because you would see both wings start going forward or left back and right back. But basically they turn into wings when Speedy dropped back. And then you're like, here it goes. They're getting ready to open up something. They figured out something. It was never in the first 10 minutes. It was typically in about that 20 to 35 minute where they've started to sort out what's going on. And this is always interesting to me about Speedy. And I know I'm going on and just gushing. Good. But I mean, the bottom line is, I remember in the 2018 season when Hack shows up, uh, Speedy was coming off the bench during that great playoff run we had. Uh, Speedy was a bench player that season. And I was a little worried then after the great year Speedy had had in 17 that uh, maybe Hack uh, didn't jibe with Speedy's play style. But you can tell that in 19 and in 20, John Hackworth gives Speedy Williams as much responsibility and wherewithal and authority on the field as he wants. Like exactly what you said, when Speedy drops, you can see the wings move up, but that's a Speedy decision. He's saying exactly. I'm going to drop. And when you see Speedy push up into the midfield and Paolo sort of step off and back into the passing that lane, a that's bit, a yep. Speedy decision. He's making those decisions and uh, uh, they are cliches, but I mean, Kevin's right. He's the, he's the, whatever you want to say that is the important part of our team, he's it. So are we seeing the birth of like the next Mark Anthony K that kind of slides up to that next level? I don't know, but we saw a big pickup and I, you don't have to answer this. I'm not talking about Louisville, like front office stuff, but just Kevin Scouse, you know, as you're looking at this and we saw Mark Anthony K kind of just move into another gear basically mm -hmm. is that is that kind of what we've seen this year well you know i'll be really surprised if somebody from uh, the mls is not already looking at him um and i'll be ha so happy that if he's uh, back for next season but um you know I i'm sure as long if the us that's uh, uh, the mls comes knocking you know good luck to him you know that's what uh you know you want to do when you grow up you want to play in the um the biggest leagues and you know i, I really hope that he's here next season but uh if he's not i'm, I'm not going to be surprised you know because if they're not looking at him that then uh they're not doing the job i think speedy's you know he, he's already playing pretty well i think i think mac he almost kind of like founded a new gear when he got into you know lafc when he got into the mls I think Speedy, I, I'm not going to say that he's not going to get any better, but I think he's probably playing, you know, pretty high um, on his potential. So, you know, I think, you know, he's definitely good enough for MLS. And, you know, like Evan said, if he sticks around, he's definitely, you know, um, USL MVP material. Not that I think they would ever give it to a guy that plays the position that Speedy does. But I think, right. you know, people who enjoy the game see him and see the way that he influences matches and knows that he's very important. Um, but yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's right there, you know, a couple of years, um, older, maybe he wouldn't get a, a look at MLS, but you know, if they don't come knocking now or maybe next year, it's, it's probably not going to happen for him. Um, you know, you imagine obviously players can, you know, go through a renaissance at any age, but, um, but yeah, you know, he's certainly good enough to, to crack MLS. I'll say that much. Yeah. It's one of those things that bugs me the, to no end about MLS is that there are, five players on Lou City's team right now that would immediately make an MLS team better 
they would be a better team by taking one of those players. And Speedy's one of them. You could plug him into a starting lineup on an MLS team and they would be really good. But MLS doesn't necessarily look at what makes them a little bit better this season. They think in terms of uh, assets. And that's, uh, I think, the main thing about Mark Anthony Kay was he was 22 years old. And he was also about a foot taller and 50 pounds heavier than uh, than Speedy Williams is. Uh, I think Speedy's size and his age at this point might keep him from getting the shot that he has earned and deserves. Uh, but uh, I, I hope it would. I mean, I hope he would. But uh, to me, you could say the, the exact same thing about Oscar Jimenez, who could easily have been making an MLS team better for the last three seasons. Uh, but was maybe not quite the right size and was maybe not quite the right uh, age. And so just didn't get that look. Uh, but Speedy Williams fits that bill. And I hope he plays for Lou City for a really long time. But I also hope he achieves all of his career goals, whatever they may be. So uh, it's uh, I'm a man of two hearts there. So um, one of the guys that we've not really talked about through the midfield is what do you think about um – Paolo, you know, the, the team captains, what do you think of his role um, throughout the season in the midfield? We were clearly a different club when he, you know, really started to start himself and get healthy. Um, and you could see that captain, you know, mentality come through the through the whole pitch. Um, down the left side, I liked I liked seeing the overload down the left side. And towards the, you got towards the end of the season, the playoffs, you could see a lot of those whip balls that were coming in from that side with that overload when you had Hoppano over there and, you could see that they were kind of almost orchestrating the pass before the pass and then the the sharp movement. And we saw Cameron score twice on it. Ownby should have scored once in the playoffs. And that was like fun to me just to kind of, you could almost like watch two masterminds sitting over there and sorting out what we're going to do through this. That's what I saw from Powell and that's what you expect from a captain. What do you guys think? I really enjoyed watching Paolo kind of, I guess, in the absence of, of Magnus um, getting forward a lot more um, this year. Uh, and Kenny, you were just talking, and, and I, um, that scene from the last dance with Dennis Robin was like, click. And then every, he's like, everybody knows that we go, boom, swish, everybody doing that. that that's the kind of feeling that I got <laughs> right, from, right. Um, you know, watching City go forward. You know, you'd see like, you know, a break and you see, um, Cam, then you see, you know, Brian and Antoine, and then, you know, Paolo's up there joining with them. And, you know, it, it was really fun to watch them, you know, work their magic. And it, you know, more times often than not ended in a Louisville City goal. But those guys going forward, I think, were really, uh, as the season went on in particular, really kind of got used to playing with one another and got more used to their roles, I think. And, and especially Paolo going forward, um, it was fun to see that kind of new um, phase in his game. Yeah, I think now, it's hard if- to. I think it's hard to judge what kind of player Paolo is and what position Paolo plays. Now, you you just have to call him a midfielder, and I mean that's all you can say. I mean, for for our best teams ever, you'd have to say he was our six, or then he was a part of that double pivot, or that. Uh, but this year, he played much more of an attacking role. Uh, he's, you know. Maybe not the athlete he was when uh, we first brought him on board. I don't think he would be ashamed to say that either. He's also suffered some injuries that he's had to come back from. Uh, I think that you're all right that the mentality that he brings, the captaincy that he brings, the grittiness, the intelligence, all of it is 100% still there completely. And it's not like he's a bad athlete. I mean, I, I say as, you know, 5'10", 240 or whatever I am right now. But uh, – <laughs> 
Uh, it's not like he's a bad athlete. He's just not quite the athlete he was. I think that he is maybe the most interesting player to me for next season in uh, what role does he play for this team? Do you roll out a team that looks exactly the same formationally and with roughly the same personnel? Or do you? Or are there places where you feel like you have to get younger and more athletic? Can he slide back into that six role and let Speedy move up the field a little? Can he move up to be a pure 10 like Magnus was? Uh, or Illy was, uh, you know, it's what we do with Paolo Del Piccolo, who you can tell we're better when he's on the field. Uh, what we do with him, I think, is going to be the most interesting question about next season. Mm-hmm. I agree. Now, the the one uh, guy that I was really disappointed we didn't see that much this season was uh, Niall. And um, I'm hopefully um, wishing him all the, well, the best because, you know, I think Louisville City's a far better team when he's on the pitch rather than when he's not on the pitch. And it was unfortunate that he picked up um, the injury that he got this year. And um, I, I can't wait to see him again uh, next year. Well, you knew yeah. the, you knew the Nile, snack talk was always going to be good, right? So when yeah. Niall was out there, he was like the captain that didn't have to be the captain, right? He was the guy that didn't need the badge walking around. Everybody kind of knew when Niall was on the pitch – what he said was probably going to happen. It didn't matter who the captain was. And that's the thing that you get through years and years of just earning your stripes. And I think that we missed that a little bit at the beginning of the season. Um, I think coming into a new stadium is another topic that we may touch on. I'm not sure if we'll have time for it or not. Um, but Niles just grit and can play anywhere on the pitch. I was talking to Mario Sanchez, our academy director. Is that the correct term, Evan? Academy director? Uh, yes, he is the director of the Loose City Racing Academy. There you go. So talking to, we were just talking one day, uh, having a chat, and he said that he was the most irreplaceable person on the team because nobody could do all the things he could do, playing so many different positions. You could put him at right back. You could put him at the eight. You could put him at the six. You could put him on the wing. He'll do the shift. But he knew what he was doing, not just by running around like a loose horse on the pitch. Yeah, I think that he was he and Magnus not being available this season uh, obviously, Magnus is a different kind of scenario, but uh, I think that the two of them would have made the whole team a little bit more, well, creative immediately just by being on the pitch because they're two very creative players. But besides the creativity, I think it would have made us a lot more flexible of a team where you would have seen Napo being able to come in or go out. You'd be able to see Antoine play as the nine or the 10 or the out wide. You'd be able to see a lot more formational intricacies if you've got Nile and uh, and Magnus available by having really realistically only having Speedy, Paolo, and Corbin as your midfielders for the whole season. I mean, I think if you look at their minutes, it's ridiculous how many of our minutes those three played at our, in midfield spots. Uh, by only having those three, I think it limited some of our own creativity uh, that we maybe would have been able to do something else with. Okay, so let's uh, just move on really quick to um, our front line. Um, who is the guy in the front line that stood out for you? you know, I know mine was um, Cam Lancaster. Though. He's the who? guy that... I, I don't know. Lancaster? Do you remember that guy? Never heard of him. Um, never heard of him. But, um, you know, for me, it was, I've said it so many times this season, it was like watching, uh, being on a cop watching Ian Rush. He's just the, the consummate poach the goal poacher, and he seemed to be in the right place at the right time to bury that ball in the back of the net. And the um, 
the one standout for me in the whole season is um, I still can't believe his uh, little cheeky back heel to put it in the back of the net, you know, and um, I know I wasn't expecting it. And I'm damn sure the goalkeeper that was standing in front wasn't expecting it. And, um, you know, I, I hope he comes back next season. Do I th- think he is? Probably not, because um, I know, uh, you know, his uh, parent team are going to be uh, taking note at uh, what he's done in uh, the USL this year. Well, again, I can't talk to whether or not he'll be back. Uh, I can just say that you know that we'd welcome him back immediately. Um, he is. He's the he's the exact. He's a goal scorer, and he's special, and it's fun to watch him play. And he'll break every record there is to break if he just keeps playing in the USL. But uh, he also, you know, the injury bug has been tough for him. Even the amount of minutes he had to be subbed off this season was impacted by a couple of little nagging injuries that he had. And so, uh, you know, if he could avoid that, you know, he could still very well be playing for Tottenham right now. But the bottom line is my offensive player of the season this year is Antoine Hopeno, who I think that he makes everything else that everybody does along that front line work better. He tracks back and makes our press way better than it would be without him. He's indefatigable in that he never slows down at all out on the field. Uh, he is annoying. He's the kind of player you hate to play against. He's a, he's, you get the feeling, and I say this knowing him and loving him, you get, you get the feeling on the field he's a little bit of a jerk. And uh, I, I kind of like that in a, in a player. And, sure. uh, as long I, as you're in your team. Right? Exactly. You were all, always asking if he didn't get a yellow card in the game, there's something wrong with him. Yeah. You, know, you need to take him off. <laughs> and his, his, his goal scoring was maybe not what he would have wanted it to be. I, I think he only got one or two this season. But uh, the, the thing that he does really well is what Kevin said earlier, the pass before the pass. I'd love to see how many hockey assists he had. I think he led the team in straight-up assists, but he also, I'm betting, led the team in hockey assists this year in making the pass to the player who made the pass. And uh, I think that he made our whole offense go. He split, spreads the field, he tracks back, uh, and he make, keeps the defense honest so that Cam's got room to operate there in the middle. Yeah, speaking of Cam, you know, Skyless, I know you mentioned, you know, him going back to, to Nashville and, you know, probably maybe getting a look in there. But, you know, looking at their roster, which I, I just pulled up, you know, I already knew they had a lot of international guys um, taking up international spots on their team. But, I mean, their whole uh, attacking core seems to be, you know, foreigners. So, you know, Cam obviously, you know, has, you know, lit the league up here in the USL, you know, won the Golden Food. But, you know, he – did so well, and then he went down to Nashville for, remember, a couple of years ago. And, you know, Gary Smith, I don't think really – they really quite figured out how to use him. He didn't get, you know, consistent starts, I don't think. Um, and so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he was kind of, uh, you know, released or let go or cut ties with uh, Nashville. And, you know, he wouldn't, you know, at, at his age and the stage of his career, which a, a lot of the team is, you know, that, that 28, you know, 27, 28, 29 range – um, you know, would not come back to, to Louisville. And I know, I think someone, you know, uh, took a screenshot of one of his Twitter posts saying, hey, we'll see you real soon, or something to that effect on his uh, Instagram feed. Um, so, you know, maybe there's, uh, I, if you notice, I was real quiet when we were talking about our attacker, seeing if Evan would, uh, you know, drop a, a little hint for us or something. But, uh, but no, I think, you know, Cam, obviously, you know, he'd be very welcome back uh, in Louisville. And I mean, who wouldn't want him? You know, exactly. He he's the kind of guy that um, that doesn't come around. You know, all that often. They don't just grow on trees. Strikers like that. 
Um, and so they're, uh, they're very valuable. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed watching Brian Homby this year. <clears throat> Brian, you know, he struggled with concussions and had a lot of different other things go on with him. But goodness gracious, the last, you know, eight matches of the season, it's a weird compressed schedule, right? Because we call him playoff Homby. There's a weird compressed schedule where everything really happened really quick. Um, seeing him blossom out on that right side, the way that we knew, and we've seen him do it before, but it was clearly, I'll go back to the Palo thing and the open O thing on the left side and opening up space, and you would just see him go to the channel and just take off in his suit. Who's going to catch him? I don't, there's not a defender that can, not in the USL, that can run backwards fast enough to keep up with him. And then to see the deliveries into the box and some of the goals that Cam scored. Cam, you can't replace Cam, right? I think it's one of the biggest things that we missed. You know, when, when he was gone there for just a little bit, we just didn't have a true number nine. So clearly Cam is the answer on this. But I'll tell you what, if you don't have those two pieces with Opino and you don't have Ownby there, Cam can be left out on an island, and that's not a fun place to be when you're a number nine that's struggled with injuries in the past. So I, I still say it's Cam, but, man, it's close. Ownby's going to your service, right? Absolutely. Somebody's got to deliver the food, don't they? <laughs> Well, the, the one um, bomber that came out towards the end of the season that we found out was about um, Luke. And um, I understand that the reasons why he's uh, won't be back next season and, and know that we're going to miss him um, up front. But I, I can only wish Luke all the very best and um, every success um, with what he's got going on. And, um, you know, he's got to take care of that family. So, uh, you know, I'm going to miss Luke next year. Definitely. Can I just say, you know, everybody's been talking about Luke like, you know, he's, he's passed away or something. I mean, the guy is going to be around. I'm sure he's going to be a regular <laughs> game. He's, like everybody knows he's going to, um, you know, the, the academy. And I've actually seen him around, you know, me on my way to Reffing, passing Luke at, uh, you know, a couple different sports complexes around town. Um, but, yeah, no, Luke, I mean, he's, he's a guy who's has a very bright future ahead of him as a manager. Um, you know, on Soccer City Radio, we uh, Lance asked him, you know, what kind of his aspirations are. And, you know, he said, you know, I want to be, you know, a, a professional coach at some point, you know, a, a coach of a professional team, I should say. Um, and he's absolutely, you know, got that, um, you know, that ability. I think, you know, he understands that he was, you know, the graduate, a graduate assistant at Xavier back when it, he wasn't sure if he was going to be able to play again after tearing his ACL at uh, the Revs uh, after getting drafted. So, you know, it's just something he's wanted for a long time. And I am very happy that, you know, he wasn't getting starts, you know, especially in this compressed schedule and behind Cam. Um, so I'm happy to see him, you know, obviously, you know, he would come on and, uh, you know, in, impact the game at times off the bench. But I'm happy to see him get into a spot where he's going to shine and be able to, um, you know, impart his knowledge onto, onto, the, onto the youth of the racing and, and City Academy. So, um, you know, I, I'm happy that he's, um, you know, found the next uh, stage of his of his you know, professional life. You know, I think something that was interesting, Kevin, and I think that you all did a really good job on Soccer City Radio because I did listen to that thing with Luke and talking about like how he kind of realized in college, his college coach said, I get to do this. You get to do this for four years. I could do this forever. And it was almost like a little epiphany moment. Of course, you still think that you're going to play on the biggest stage and you played on the big stage and he obviously scored a quite important goal in our history for a star. But how he was talking about the last three to four years, he was really like taking notes on what the coaches were saying, not what they were saying just to him, but to everybody else. And I think that's an important key to like developing your pedigree 
and looking at it from a different perspective as opposed to how many goals am I going to score in the next month as opposed to what does 12 years from now look like? Yeah, I, I talked to him uh, a little bit before the start of this season, before even we knew about the pandemic stuff going on. And uh, he said he really wasn't sure what he still had left in the tank. And I was like, man, you got 15 goals in the tank if you're still the starter. Uh, it's easy to remember that he is, uh, it's easy to forget when you talk about, you know, the big goal against Phoenix. Yeah, that's easy to remember. The backflip was fun to remember. Uh, he's got the second most goals in Lou City history. He's got 29 goals, I think, in the history for this team. He's a, he's a, a star in this league uh, who just happened to also be one of the best dudes that you're going to get to meet. Uh, he's got exactly the right temperament for what I look for in a manager. He's even keeled while still being having a fire. You can feel the fire under there, but you also know that if you respect him, he's going to respect you back. And uh, I think that he's uh, he's got a bright future in, uh, frankly, whatever he did with his career. But if he wants his career to be coaching, uh, I think that he's he's going to be phenomenal at it. I'm, I'm excited to see what he does and where he goes. I hope he stays in the Lou City organization. I do too, because I think he'd be an asset to uh, to everybody with the experience that he's got. And, um, you know, I've, I've chatted with him several times, and I think he's a lovely guy. And uh, like I said, I just wish the guy all the best. And uh, his goals are going to be hard to uh, to replace. And, uh, you know, that's on um, Coach Hackworth to uh, find him. So, um, going on a little bit further. So, uh, Evan, you had to pick... Your MVP for the whole team this last year, who's going to be? Speedy. I've Speedy. waxed poetic enough, but I'll take Speedy. Okay. Kevin. I mean, you can't ignore the goals, right? Like, Cam, I'm sorry. Like, as much as, you know, I, we, I always talk in you know, the press box about how fans always pick the goal scorers for the man of the match. I got to pick Cam for, you know, MVP. You know, Ben Lunt is, you know, probably the, the next guy for me as well. But, yeah, I got to go with Cam. Kenny? I'm going with Ben. Um, just the, the form that he was in down the stretch kept us in games that we probably shouldn't have been in. And you, if you hold somebody to zero, all you have to score is one. You can score three goals and still lose. So, um, I mean, that's simple math. But the, the truth is I thought Ben down the stretch was – probably as good as we've ever seen a keeper be in lucidity history in the last eight, 10 games. And it was, it was impressive. Mm -hmm. I mean, Greg, Greg, Greg did some impressive stuff. So I know where Evan's thinking with that. Uh, Greg did some impressive stuff, but I don't think that he was in the form of his life. Like Ben probably is. And it's probably why Ben will be back. My assumption. And, uh, you know, they, uh, got to kind of keep it going because, um, the, the, the guy that I want to shout out for is uh, the Hulk, you know, because he stepped up to the plate. You know, he didn't think he I didn't think he was going to be able to fill uh, Paco's shoes. And he did that and then some. So um, super weird that we picked our four all league players as our four, <laughs> uh, as yeah. our four player MVPs. Yeah, it's, it's kind of uh, strange how that works. Yeah, it does. It does. So anyway, let's let's move on a little bit further because I know um, that a lot of people out there wanting to know um, what's going on with uh, race in Louisville, and I believe that we had a, a very important announcement just a few days ago, and uh, I'm I'm happy to to say that we have signed our third player. Um, 
again, it's a um, somebody up front and, uh, who's a forward, and her name is. Uh, uh, come on, help me out there, Shana Evan, Shana yeah. Matthews. Shana yeah. Matthews. So um, I kind of got some intel on her, and I called up um, the coach and I said, "Hey, you know, give me some." Uh, some insight that we can use on uh, the podcast. So he sent me a um, a little thing, and I'll pull it up for you, and I'll, I'll read it out to you. Uh, but uh, Christy couldn't be here tonight because, you know, he's a busy guy, and, uh, you know, we, uh, we'd like to have him on, but we can't always have him, right? So he wrote me last night. Um, so he said, um, so nearly drafted her in 2016 after she led the line for Florida State, uh, won the, the national title with them. She fits the profile of the type of attacker that we feel that would be very successful with us. She's an extremely hard worker, a very quick um, option to stretch in behind, but uh, comfortable going 1v1. Can be effective uh, in any of the forward three positions or work well as part of a front pair. Um, he's very, he was telling me that he was very close with her um, coach for Jamaica and also in Florida State. And um, he was in close contact with them, talking to them about her. And that's the reason why he targeted Miss um, um, Williams to, to come back here and come into Louisville. So, and uh, what are your thoughts on that, guys? Well, sounds like everything you could want in a potential player, right? I mean, she really yeah. sounds like she ticks all the boxes. Well, it, it makes me excited that the first three signings for uh, for Coach Holly and for racing are all three uh, attacking players, are all three goal scorers. Uh, I mean, I know that Yuki can play uh, across the midfield, but realistically, you think of her as a 10. You think of her as a creative midfielder, or I do anyway from watching her play. And uh, I, I love that uh, that we've signed Shayna. I think that she's going to be a great addition to this team. Uh, I know that there's some question marks about when she'll really be able to resume a full training schedule. Uh, but uh, my understanding is we expect her to be an important part of this inaugural team, and that's awesome. Uh, she's a goal scorer. Uh, for Jamaica, she's played nine games and has got eight goals. Like, I love that, that for her national team, she's not uh, eight and nine. That's that's consistency. That's scoring goals, and uh, has scored everywhere she went. She played in college for a couple of teams, uh, then also played in the pros for, uh, and I think eleven goals in the NWSL so far, something like that. She's she's fun to watch. She's got wheels. She's uh, 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 she's got a little bit of flair. If you go and watch some of her highlights, she's got a little bit of flair. This is an unfair comp, but uh, my my comp for her to a Lou City player is Lucky Kosana. If you, especially Lucky Kosana, three years before he came to us, when he was in his prime, uh, more athletic than the people around them, uh, got a little bit of that goal-scoring magic, and then also uh, can play any of the, like they said, like any of the real five spots across the front uh, and, and be dangerous from all of them. Uh, she's going to be a goal-scorer for us. She'll be a great partner with Savannah McCaskill up there, too. I love yeah. one of the things that you mentioned about like what her international uh, goal scoring record is. So we were talking about this on the podcast uh, a few weeks ago when Mike Watts was on here and he was talking about Yuki and what Yuki has done for Japan 
is amazing. She is like a one and two. What you're talking about, Evan, is like almost a one and one, eight and nine. <clears throat> so when you see the best players from their country getting their caps and they're the goal scorers, and we've got our first three signings with that, and Savannah has already been on the U.S. Women's National Team. She's moving right in that cusp with that. It's exciting to see all three from the front. And I also remember another comment that was mentioned about when uh, <clears throat> Coach Holly was there at Sky Blue, and they were known for having their five to four games. They weren't one nils, like just dragging it out. It was going to be up tempo. Things were going to be happening all over the pitch. And I think that's you can see a clear, you know, intent here with these signings. And we haven't even got to the expansion draft, which is what next thir- a week from tomorrow. Is that when it is? I believe it's on the yeah uh, the twelfth. Yeah, a week from tomorrow. Yeah. So, but I just think it's uh, it's very interesting that um, the first three players we've signed are all uh, forwards, and um, hopefully that's a um, an indication of uh, what to expect when they they first kick off. Is uh, a very attacking uh, style of football. Scouts, if you don't mind me jumping in real quick, I want to kind of uh, give a little preview of something that's going to be happening here um, two weeks from yesterday. So it'll be the Tuesday because Tuesday is our normal podcast day. It comes out on Wednesday just works best for our schedules. Um, but we've got a very exciting guest to help us break down the expansion draft. And I cannot wait. Scouts and I were talking about it before. We just got confirmed on the email. So uh, for those of you all that are out here listening, whether they're Lucy Ladies or Lavender Legion or just enjoy soccer, you won't believe this podcast that we're going to have on the Tuesday after our draft. If they can really kind of all take it in and breathe it in, it's going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we only have the... Um... The, the best people on this podcast, you know, you know, we, I've been uh, impressed as heck. You guys are putting in the legwork yeah. to get the good guests. I mean, frankly, Kevin and I yeah. are like a big step down for you guys. Uh, <laughs> Top liver over yeah, here. See, see, what I was uh, going to say is, I've got the two best ones on here tonight, that's and right. uh, that's you how know, you get more guests to come back. Uh-huh. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, so uh, very excited, and um, there'll be more to come on that uh, in the next week or so, but. Uh, yeah, just watch this space because uh, we got some uh, really exciting guests coming up on the uh, the podcast in a few weeks. So, yes, yeah, well, do you mind if I jump in on some? Go ahead, Evan. You have something ahead. to say? Oh no, I was just going to say yeah. I'm glad that you guys have some great, great draft coverage uh, that you're planning. Uh, I know that uh, the team has got some fun draft coverage that we're planning. Also, you'll be starting to see more news coming out about that uh, in the coming days. Uh, the league is putting out a lot of the information, and uh, but we're, we're going to try to spice it up a little bit with some extra coverage and some extra involvement for some of our favorite uh, racing supporters. And so we're, we can't wait to, to get to, this draft is really going to change the entire dynamic. I mean, right now having three players is awesome. I mean, it's completely possible that we walk away from the end of this with 15 players and you're like, oh, hey, that's a team. So, you know, it's uh, it's exciting times. And uh, we're, I know we're close. I know Coach Holly is burning midnight oil with james o'connor doing the scouting doing the time putting in the work and uh, i think they're going to put a get put together a really great team for us so i wasn't going to go here with this question but since you brought that up i think it's kind of interesting the difference of when we brought Lou city from orlando right and kevin you were around evan you were around we were all just becoming supporters mm-hmm. and trying to break it down from different areas how much different is this just watching racing unfold because it's all under the same umbrella of what we had of like five, six years of experience of, of watching the professionalism of this, that there was no way that we could have before because we just had a bunch of people that were excited about it. We've got a professionalism on the nth level and maybe probably unmatched in the NWSL 
of a club that knows what it takes to put a winning product that's sustainable on the pitch. And we're seeing it right now, and it's beautiful. It's, it's funny, like City, I felt like was kind of not here one day, and then the next day it was here. Like, I don't remember there being a whole lot of, you know, press coverage around this new team coming up from Orlando, coming to Louisville. They're going to, you know, this is the coach. These are the players. I felt like we really had to kind of seek that information out and kind of, um, you know, find that out for ourselves. And that's where I think the supporters groups really kind of helped out and in, in kind of grow and educate and inform and break their own news in some in some instances of you know personnel and, and things like that now that you still have that but now it's it's fun to see like everything around the club growing and you know there's fans <clears throat> getting ticket deposits from all over the country it seems and so um and so yeah it's it's really um i think use that word professionalism kind of uh, to see um all of these, you know, people that want to be a, a part and, and supporting and, you know, that tryout that we had, um, the invitational um, training session that they had um, last Saturday. It's just insane, you know, where, where we've come, you know, everything that's left a mark on this city. I, I want to second all of that. I think that, like we said, the, the first time around, uh, I, I, I wasn't paying attention to team player signings, but also – there were like four front office employees. I'm not even sure they put out much information about the new signings <laughs> when they made them. I mean, I know that they put out press releases, but there was nobody covering the team. Uh, the the Lucidity walked so the racing can run, but it turns out that because NWSL had such a much better infrastructure already built in than the USL did at the time when Lucidity started, that uh, racing didn't need Lucidity to have been running. They just needed the facilities which Lucidity had gotten built. And so the fact that racing exists now to me is it's it's happening fast, but it's also happening in a way where you go, the infrastructure was in place to do it. And <clears throat> I think that that counts for the fans too. It's not just the American Outlaws and the Coopers, which is basically what it was when the team started, which was, I mean, we, we like to mythologize the Coopers role in how uh, the team started. But I mean, that was like, 50 guys who were like, hey, soccer would be great. Bring soccer here. We'll, we'll come, we promise, which is awesome. But, uh, I mean, this time around, you the fans know how to be fans. They know what to care about. They're more informed. They're more uh, soccer literate. Like the whole fan, the soccer community in Louisville is is better now prepared for a new team than Lou City was. And the NWSL players are a more known commodity than a lot of the USL players were. So you put those both together and it's just, it's a firestorm when we put stuff out. I think you saw the, the you probably saw the statistic that uh, racing had something like the best fan engagement or improvement in fan engagement week over week of any professional sports franchise in America. Uh, we ain't kicked the ball yet. Yeah. And so the, the idea that we're this ready to go, it's, it's exciting. And uh, I think that uh, I hope that the front office can, can hold up our end of the deal. Yeah, I think it's awesome that, um, you know, in this, uh, at this time uh, when the NWSL are coming, um, the, uh, a lot of the fans out there, like you said, are, are more um, literate about what's going on and uh, they're more engaged. And, you know, there's a lot more excitement out there now than there ever was when um, Lowell City was uh, first coming to town. Yeah, to piggyback off that, the, the guest that we have that's lined up here in a couple of weeks, 
we could only get because of what Louisville City has done and Soccer Holdings has done and the buzz around what's happening with racing. I mean, I, I can't believe I haven't got an email response. Uh, so anyway, it's it's only because of what's truly happening, not only what you're seeing on social media with that, it's really happening out there. So it's crazy. It's, it's Andy Frederick, right? It's like Andy <laughs> Frederick. Yeah. If, it's like Andy Frederick if he was coming to you live from a place where the U.S. Women's National Team was playing, getting ready to lift the Big Air Cup, and just like this is it, we've done it. Awesome. But it's exactly the same. It's just different. My dog is going nuts here. That's why I'm putting us on. I'm putting me on mute. <laughs> so, uh, you know. What are we expecting out of this uh, this draft? You know, because um, it looks like that we're not going to be going for any um, forwards anytime soon. You know, they. Uh, I, know, I think we, we're we're pretty good in that department right now. So, uh, what do you think that uh, the coach is going to be looking for? Kevin, you want to take that one or? Uh, yeah, I, I remember we had uh, Christy on uh, on Soccer City. He actually called in from that training session I was talking about. He kind of described what um, what he wanted his team to look like, and he he's like, you know, hardworking. Um, I think there is going to be, you know, a pretty, um, you know, kind of set system. Everybody's going to kind of have their roles, and I'm sure he's going to throw a couple of of luxury luxury players in there. Um, and so, yeah, I think it'll be a, a you know, a co- kind of a combination. Um, maybe not unlike what we've seen from from Louisville City. You know, you've got you know your guys like you know your center backs and your fullbacks who've got you know their their set roles, and you throw in like a Magnus Rasmussen um, to kind of compare as a luxury player. Um, so yeah, I think uh, that that's kind of what we're gonna see. You know, I'm I'm honestly um, you know kind of not informed yet enough about. Uh, the NWSL, obviously, you know, I've watched the women's team, um, you know, in tournaments, the, the national women's team in tournaments. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to, um, you know, kind of see and, and learn in real time uh, the players that they bring in and, and what they have to offer. Yeah, yeah the conversation a lot of my time trying, I've been a lot of my time trying to catch up on what I need to know about the NWSL. Uh, I'm not going to pretend like I've been a longtime fan. Uh, I started watching it early last year when there started being real indications that we might get a team. Uh, I'm not expert in it, but I'm doing the best I can to become expert in it. So I'm watching. Uh, no kidding. I watch two or three archived games every ever every week, just trying to catch up and then as many of the live games as I can catch. But uh, so I don't I still don't know the league well enough to be able to say who I hope we get or what kind of players we expect to get. Besides what Kevin said of what Coach Holly has sort of signaled he wants to do. He, he says he's not married to a specific system. So I, mean, I think he's going to try to tailor his system to what the players want to do. And so I, I'm uh, I'm excited to see more than anything. I'm just like a kid on Christmas who never put together a list. Uh, you're just going to be excited no matter what you get, as long as it's not coal. And uh, I get a feeling that uh, James O'Connor and Christy Holly know how to sift out the gold from the coal. So uh, that I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to be watching and fascinated. And then the minute we sign some players, I'm going to start watching their games on uh, on repeat to know what we're getting and what we should expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think just to <clears throat> echo off both those points, I don't I don't think that any of us would have the ability to know exactly what we're going to get, but I think we know what we're looking to get as far as the atmosphere and the culture. And I think that's probably what's most important, especially coming out with a new team and they're really trying to just lay the foundation, obviously with Yuki and Savannah 
and, and now we've had Shana, there's attacking in mind, and that's clearly going to be on display whenever Shana can get back to the pitch. But the big thing for me is going to be watching how this team kind of forms around the manager. So I look at, like, when I think about, like, the great teams that I remember, <clears throat> as hard as it is to say, is the Manchester United teams. And those were truly Alex Ferguson. mouth out with soap. <clears throat> those were truly Alex and per- Shut up. They were truly <laughs> Alex Ferguson. You could see it. You could see it. But they, like, took on the mold of him. And, and you could see, like, with what they're already doing with, with JOC and with Christie, and they're very much into what the culture is of this club. And James laid that foundation early, came back, and his new role is helping out with that on different levels. And I think that's what's going to be the most interesting part to me because you can take good talent and put them in a bad environment, and they will fail. You can take decent talent and put them in a good environment, and they will aspire to new heights that you probably wouldn't have seen before. And so that's what I'm very excited to see because I wanted to be part of the fabric of our city, and that's what we've seen with our you know, our first professional club that we have, and now we have our second professional club coming in. So that's what I'm really excited about, to just see how that all melds together. You're still not over this, Cal. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm not over that, you know, because, uh, you know, there's uh, certain words that you mention. There's a certain words that you don't mention. And uh, But by the way, um, good win for Arsenal on uh, Sunday. I was, I was impressed going to... Old traffic and doing it. I know we're not going to try to make this into an EPL pod, but I'll tell you, I, I, I'm excited about Thomas no, no, Partey. No, no, no. I'm excited about Gabriel. I think uh, we may have found two real cogs for the next five, ten years. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah. So let's touch it over to Kevin there for a second. How's Dortmund doing? Oh, well, they just uh, demolished uh, Bruce today in the Champions League. Right. Uh, they're playing Bayern this weekend in the uh, in the league. So I'm uh, a little worried. Um, you know, it's, that's kind of, you know, besides the race, you know, it's close now. It might not be so close, um, uh, you know, after this weekend. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I honestly, at this point, you know, it's more about enjoying the football than, you know, aspiring to, uh, to silverware. Evan will very much know that feeling. Um, oh, come on. We've won the last two pieces of silverware available to us. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm just always envious of Dortmund. You get to watch probably the two most exciting under 20 players in the world between uh, Reyna and Holland. I love those two players. Yes. That's fun to watch. Yeah, Sancho just ticked over. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, there's a reason that youth keeps coming back to Dortmund. And, it, and it's not, you know, the, the manager in particular, because it's been a bit of a revolving door there for us. But, uh, yeah, it's, you know, to we talk about culture, you know, Dortmund has it set up, you know, to where they uh, attract youth. And so that's that's their that's their USP. Evan, I think you're on mute. You can push the button, Evan. Evan's on mute again. It's probably good that I was muted for that. It was, it was, I, I, honestly, I got done and I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to go back to it. Uh, just, uh, it was just the So I'll, I'll avoid it going back. So I'm going to, going to post, pose a question to the two of the three of you. And I posted that a little um, poll on Twitter a few nights ago. And because, We've seen it up close and personal on both sides, whether it's in Europe or whether it's here in the USL. Do you prefer the referee's decision is final or the VAR in its imperfections? What are your thoughts on that? Kevin's squirming. He's, no. he's, 
He does. I think Kevin's so like, probably got more opinions on this than I do, so I'm going to get mine out of the way really quickly. I'll say that I like VAR, but I only like VAR for a very limited number of things. I think get rid of it for offsides, that should be subjective to me. I, mean, I think that should be referee's decision to me. If you can see it, you saw it. If you can't, you didn't. And that's the end, which I think there's an art to faking offsides. And I think we're losing that right now with, you know, inch perfect uh, offsides lines. Uh, I think that uh, intentional handballs in the box or intentional tackles in the box should be. And I think that uh, goal line uh, technology should be used. But I think that that's the end of it. I think that if you didn't see a yellow or red card, it wasn't a yellow or red card. If you didn't see the offsides, it wasn't offsides. But that's it. I'm going to go next because I'm going to give Kevin the floor on this. Kevin did everything like, so if you're like interrogating a person and you see them do their head left to right real quick like that and they start <laughs> working on their nose pretty quick, there's a lot of things going on in their head. And Kevin should because Kevin's is a referee. So I'm going to echo everything that Evan said because VAR is not exciting to talk about other than when he gets very nerdy when the referees get in. And I want to hear that. I'll just add that I think that red cards are still an important part of it because I think that should be reviewable. Kevin, the stage is yours. So, so, there's, two things, <laughs> so there's two things only that VAR is used for. Sorry, was, was that Scouse? No, I said only two things. <laughs> well, no, well, here, here's what it is. There's, you know, there's fact. Uh, there's like, you know, mis mistaken identity, you know, offside. You know, I, I'm, I'm with Evan in the fact that I think that um, it's, it's too... Uh, the hairs are split too finely, I think, in in uh, when it comes to offside decisions, because uh, people have pointed out, you know, the the frame rate of cameras, you know, the angle that the cameras are at, you know, you can't always be 100% sure there's a margin of error when you're breaking down offside decisions on VAR. Um, you know, there, there should be maybe a buffer or I think maybe a time limit, you know, if it takes this long to figure out whether the lad is offside or onside. Uh, you know, just what it was called in the field. But then, like, the thing is, with the way VAR is used now, you cannot take the, some good with some of the bad. Like, and what I mean by that is you you sometimes get these instances, and I, we t I talked about this on Soccer City, like, a couple months ago. You just get these instances where it's, like, almost antithetical to what we like about football. You know, you get, you know, a counterattack and, you know, a question of, onside or offside, you know, the player goes on and scores and everybody kind of has to hold their breath and wait the two minutes for VAR to adjourn. And, you know, the center ref has to go over and look at the monitor and, you know, it's, you know, people are left in this sort of state of not knowing whether the goal is going to stand or not. And that's just not what football is about, you know, at the Premier League level, at the grassroots level. And I think the USL, if they want to bring it in, is um, it, it would be making a massive mistake. Um, so I think, you know, sometimes, you know, there are instances where, um, a referee might've just missed something, you know, in a bang, bang play. And, you know, you see a, a player with a, with a high boot going in, you know, on somebody's ankle and then, you know, they go and they look and that's a red card. Um, you know, I think, you know, it, you just, I, I say that's one of the things we are going to go ahead and say, that's fine. We, if we miss those, if we don't have to deal with these cases of, you know, dissecting an offside play or, you know, you know, ARs are told to assistant referees are told to leave their flag down. Now, obviously, if they think it's anywhere near being offside, but that which can, is which is creating a ton of extra corner kicks uh, for exactly. teams that don't deserve them. 
it's creating corner kicks and it's creating instances of play where if you leave your flag down and then you let them play out and okay, there's no offside call. So the ref doesn't, the AR doesn't come back and flag it. And so, but then you just let them play on and this can create, um, you know, all these new instances where injuries, sorry, sorry. Um, Keepers get injured coming out of the box looking for stuff when it clearly is offside and they're racing out to things they should never race out to them. You know, especially when you're seeing the line, if if they're playing a high line, it's happening 30 yards in front of where the keeper is. And they're now having to start to race out and that's causing injuries. Exactly. Yeah. You know, at my level that I referee, uh, you know, if we think there's going to be collision, someone's offside, the flag's right up, you know, because we want to prevent that and get the play stopped. Um, but that's not the way that the game that the you know VR works at at the professional level. And so you're absolutely right. Yeah, it can create instances where players get hurt. You know, we saw Pickford and Van Dyke uh, have an instance. Um, you know, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and so I think yeah, don't that, go there. Don't yeah, go there. That's fine. But no, I just <laughs> think point. that in general, sort of the the headline for me is VAR is kind of um, destroying the things that we like about soccer, especially in this country. We like that. Football isn't, you know, it's not like an American football game where it lasts three hours. And not saying that VAR is ever going to drag games out to make it last that long, but it disrupts the flow and it just takes away a bit of the of, of the magic, to be honest, that I think um, is so alluring for the sport. So I hate it, you know, as a referee, you know, it, it, it I would like, you know, maybe to have that um, security blanket behind me, you know, if I, if I do get a, a decision wrong to have someone come back and say, oh, actually, here's this to back you up. Um, but then again, it can also kind of dilute your word on the field and kind of, you know, sort of water down your authority. So, you know, I, I say just in general, chuck it out. It's not going to go anywhere. We know that. But, you know, it's just a shame that it had to, to pop to pop yeah. up. I just hope that um, it doesn't get into the USL anytime soon because um, I like singing the referee's a wanker. But <laughs> yeah. <Green team> sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So uh, that's all I got for tonight. And uh, do you guys have anything else that uh, you want to bring up on the, the, the podcast right now? Yeah. No. No. Well, I uh, appreciate uh, Evan and Kevin joining us tonight on um, Scouser's House in the House 2.0. And I really appreciate uh, you guys time coming in here tonight and uh, talking to us about football and uh, we're going to be uh, I guess off next week and uh, back in two weeks with um, some really really exciting guests um, um, so uh, please watch this space because um, we have got some pretty good uh, you know celebrities coming on here to uh, to hang out with us it's going to be fun yes it is Yes, it is. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, Kevin, I appreciate you, you, you tagging in with us at such short notice. And uh, I really appreciate you guys and your time. Thank you very yeah, much. The thing you didn't know, Scouse, about why I really gave up the podcast was because I knew with racing coming along that I couldn't end my podcast with Go City anymore. I was going to need to try to come up with something else. I'm not that creative. So I never, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to give it up because Go Riders City and racing yeah. doesn't work. No racing in city doesn't work. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Hey, don't think you're off the hook because you will be hosting one of these soon again. We can't do it, and you will be, and you'll be all to your back of all your vernacular is on you. 
I'm not sure that uh, the I'm not sure that the Louisville soccer fan base is prepared to have to deal with me once they thought they were rid of me. <laughs> go soccer holdings. Yeah, <laughs> go yeah. holdings. That sounds corporate. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. You have a good night, and I appreciate your time. And uh, hopefully, if you're uh, wanting a good game on Saturday, the big game of the weekend is uh, live from um, the Etihad in Manchester. Manchester City play Liverpool on Sunday morning, 11.30. If you want to get out there, I'll see you at Molly's. Cheers, boys. Thanks. Cheers. See ya.